Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jason Knight, and on this week's episode, Scar Tissue, we ask some important questions about product management. How does a school of hard knocks compare to the structured certifications you can get these days? Do you need an MBA to be a good product manager? Why is it so important to pay your learnings forward? Why don't we have more people coming into product from QA? For answers to all of these questions and more, please join us on One Night in Product. My guest tonight is Manas Bukuri, a product leader, educator, lover of building simple solutions to real problems, a closet guitarist, amateur tennis player, and much, much more. Hello, Manas. How are you doing? Oh, doing fantastic, Jason. How are you today? I am okay. I've, I've, I've had a good day. Thank you very much. So let's speak a little bit about you. So um, when I was looking at LinkedIn most recently, it said that you were running the product team at Chirp in LA, but I understand that you've actually moved on and, and are now starting some of your own exciting projects. So could you maybe tell me a little bit about what, you're, what, what problems you're currently solving and, and, and the stuff that's kind of getting you to work in the morning? Sure. Yeah. yeah. So the, the, the cool thing now is, uh, is, is I've been focused on kind of two, two passion projects, if you will. One is the uh, one that we call Fable Stories, and uh, you know th- that is effectively uh, looking to solve uh, a, a problem. Not really a problem; it's more of uh, uh, giving you know users the ability to kind of write your own tap fiction stories. So, if you look at tap fiction, you have kind of the episodes of the world. Um, but we're focused more on giving users the ability to create the stories. So, uh, from from our end, it's kind of like a marketplace if you think about it. You have the the writers that can come in and, and write their fictional stories, and then they have the readers who consume the stories. So our focus more there is around the user-generated content rather than our competitors, which are more focused on the, the premium content that they create themselves. Uh, so that's one kind of passion project. Uh, the other one that you know actually just recently picked up as of last week uh, is, is something called We the Project. And we're focused there more along the lines of how do we uh, you know, connect producers with uh, with talent in the film industry, you know, or whoever it is that, that is looking to create some sort of a project there, and uh, and 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 kind of solve the problem from a kind of upwards type of situation. Whereas we kind of thinking about handling the negotiation of contracts and kind of escrow. So it's a really interesting product. Both of them, I think, are in in kind of early stages. And uh, really kind of excited to see what is going to come out of them. Uh, if, if nothing, yeah, it will be an amazing amount of learning for us. <laughs> <laughs> so do, so do, you have, uh, do you have users for any of those at the moment? Or is it still like pretty much in the kind of initial sort of product market fit, sort of user validation, trying to work out what, what, what you're going after? So I think that we, the project is a little bit further along. Uh, they're, they're more focused along how do we get, you know, out of the beta, right? So we have uh, some, some amount of users in there. Uh, but I think for both, we really are looking at kind of identifying product market fit. We've seen inklings of interest, uh, specifically around we, the project, but with Fable, however, still defining out kind of and building the MVP and kind of putting it in uh, potential users' hands and see kind of how much, you know, interest that'll drive. So very cool stuff, like you said, early stages, uh, lots to learn, and uh, you know there'll probably be several pivots coming in. So that's why we're doing our best to to limit our development, so we don't kind of build in the wrong direction, if you will. And uh, is that something I know that you've got some 
history in computer science. I believe you've got a, both a bachelor's and master's in computer science, if, if my research has, has, has worked out well. So is that something where you're kind of throwing yourself into, into all of that, or are you very much keeping it at the kind of product side and, and trying to make sure that you're, you're looking after the, the, the general offering and, and getting other people to help you with the, with the actual engineering? Sure. Very good question. So I've actually stayed quite away from, from development, from a getting my hands dirty perspective. There are times where actually a lot of the time I jump in, write some SQL queries to, to get access to data. Um, but that is kind of the limit, right? Uh, just, but like you were saying, it's more along the lines of, are we solving the right problem, right? Uh, who is the, the customer and kind of what are their pains and gains? And, and that translating that to kind of, uh, is the app actually solving them effectively? So really, when I look at product people, their, their role really is in, in kind of two, two parts, right? One is what I like to call opportunity evaluation, which is kind of, how do customer? How do you like uh, go out there into the market and understand? Okay, there's an opportunity here, right? And uh, the second part is solution discovery, which is more along the lines of okay, now that we've if we found a problem, right? Uh, how do we kind of work with the development team um, to to build a an MVP that actually kind of validates that uh, and and then kind of maintain it uh, into kind of a later stage of uh, the the product maturity. Um, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. But I, that kind of leads me on to a, a kind of follow-on question on that. So obviously, you've been in product management for, for a while now, but you, you, you came from uh, both, I believe, engineering and also a little stint in, in, in QA as well. Um, so how did you first decide to, to sort of jump into to product management? Was, was, did that just happen naturally? Or, or was that a conscious shift? And, and, and if so, what what made you shift? No, very, very good question. So, and, and you are, you're very good with your research. You even picked up the QA uh, in, in my, um, in my, uh, you know, early, early tenure. Um, but really kind of going back to what you found is uh, I've worn a lot of different hats. Right. And, um, and, and really what, what came down to it is, it was an it was an accidental kind of stumble into product, but that that became conscious for me, right? That I, it was it was a little bit of an interesting kind of situation where it was accidental, and then I became conscious about it and then found out. So let me kind of walk you through what had happened. So I wore a lot of different hats. So I was in you know development, I was in kind of quality assurance, uh, and then uh, there's a key kind of. Uh, uh, role that I played in a company called Sys Republic, which I'm very, very grateful for. Uh, they allowed me to kind of wear all sorts of different hats, whether it's, uh, you know, like even in data infrastructure, like tenant management, you know, doing ETLs, like all sorts of like messy things, um, you know, even came down to software development, uh, extending the product. There were so many things that I was doing there that there was a, a point in time where we were working on kind of an extension of a product. So we had a SaaS product that we would kind of deploy for several retailers. And so one of the retailers actually had a problem with refunds. So it actually kind of came down to me to build a, you know, a solution that was effectively end-to-end. Like you, you started off with understanding what the problem was and then kind of designing the wireframes and kind of identifying, okay, this is what it could look like. And then getting sign-off, kind of building consensus, 
than actually going and building it because I only had one developer that was helping me part-time. So I had to build most of it myself, QA it, test it, and deploy it as well. And that was really kind of an interesting experience for me. And when I kind of walked away from that, um, you know, when I took a step back, I realized, wow, this is a great uh, you know, experience, especially the part where you can convince a, a, a customer to to pay for something that hasn't been built yet, right? And uh, though though it was slightly waterfall in that regard, I, I kind of found that um, I enjoyed a lot of the upfront tasks. Um, you know, the the user research, the the wireframes, and kind of like the iteration on all of those wireframes to identify kind of what is the thing that we should be building, and and then. You know, once once I kind of uh, did a little postmortem on it, I realized, you know, I really wish as a developer, I had somebody strong on the kind of business side of things that would help me kind of work through these. Uh, and, I, and then I kind of was like, what is this? This must be a role, right? And so I actually went out and took a course. One of my uh, colleagues at the time suggested it, that it, this is what product management is. So when I went and I identified, uh, you know, a course, I, I went to General Assembly, I took a course there. And uh, I found that, you know, exactly the things that I was doing, it was, you know, product management, the, the user research, the, um, the kind of uh, wireframes, the kind of ideation and kind of the, the build. Uh, there were aspects that I've learned that basically kind of formally rounded out the things that I was missing, like the user stories. So that would have been super helpful when I was building that product. Uh, the acceptance criteria, right? And so the the beauty of it came down to was that I found that out. And then at the same time, around that uh, that timeframe, there's a 2013, 2014 timeframe, it was product management still wasn't so realized, right, as it is now. And uh, I feel like there was a fair gap in the market. And I, I kind of wanted to take that on and say, look, I want to learn this. And I also kind of want to give back uh, to the community from what I've learned. And so it just became a natural kind of transition for me at the time, though I was not anticipating moving into a role like this in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I was. I mean, I've I've seen people uh, like CVs and and resumes in the past from people coming up, kind of from a, a QA perspective, for example. And I always thought that whilst obviously it's a different role, that QA actually gives you a really interesting insight into kind of how products work and and how users might try and see them. And it, it kind of surprises me, um, and maybe it's just that I haven't seen them, but that you don't have kind of more people coming in from that angle because you'd assume that a certain type of QA person would be sitting there saying, well, hey, yeah, th- this stuff keeps sucking, so let's let's go and make it not suck. So I'm, I'm hoping that we get more from, from that angle as well because I think there's this cliche of kind of like the, the, the engineer coming through. I mean, that's certainly my background. But then the engineer who who wants to kind of care a bit more about the business, and again, that's kind of my background. But I do think that it's really fascinating to see the different avenues that that, that people come in. Just to add to what you were saying, really, the, that I look at almost uh, development, uh, QA, and UX uh, as as three independent parts uh, that kind of have to come together to build an amazing product. Right? As the engineering it can be there, but. If you look at it, uh, the the best way I always look at is if you take any story, right? If you take the story and break it down into components, and I'm almost thinking of like the story in the Jira task, right? If I get too technical, (laughs) let me know. But it's more along the lines of you always have a story that has some sort of like a mock flow or a uh, design attached to it. So that is, you know, the designs, um, you know, um, 
responsibility, then you have the acceptance criteria. And typically, though a product manager tends to write it, it's really a QA person that has to execute it and say, hey, this is actually, um, you know, if the given ones ends when I'm testing these, it's actually, uh, you know, working, it's not working, right? It's effectively that contract between, you know, you as a product manager and the, the UX designer, as well as a QA person, then the developer that actually picks it up and, and builds it. So, uh, we, we, that, that kind of resonated with me when you were talking about, you know, how QA is, is also a, a, a very important part, uh, a pivotal part of, of building a quality product. Yeah, and I think it's important to have all different functions that within a team actually working together on this stuff. I mean, I still remember the story or the, the, the parable or whatever you want to call it about like a load of people can sit in a room they can chat some stuff through. They can they can agree what they want, and then they they come out the back of it, and the product owner writes the the best ticket that they all look at and go, "That's fantastic." And then you give it to someone else, and they immediately don't understand at least three things that are in there because, <laughs> because everyone sits there. Everyone that was in the room or in in the Zoom call these days, they all they they all kind of fill in the gaps. It's like you know the the sand between the rocks, and the person who gets it from them doesn't have the sand. Yeah. So they're, they're sitting there not knowing the thing that everyone else that was in the room knows. So I think getting everyone into the same room and everyone talking about it and, and talking about it as often as possible from kind of business through to QA, I think is, is absolutely crucial. Yep, totally agree with you. So you've been, you touched a little bit on kind of giving back and, 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 I, and I know that you've been doing some teaching in the past and, and, and going forward. So I know you've done some teaching for, for product school, for example as well as the uh, General Assembly people. So I wondered if you could talk a little bit how, about how you got into teaching and, and, and how that's been and, and, and some of the experiences that you've had there. So, uh, you know, once, once I kind of, uh, you know, did, wrapped up at General Assembly uh, and, and kind of the, the next move was actually, you know, I was fortunate enough that one of the instructors there uh, you know, offered me a position to move into product management. People don't necessarily get lucky in that regard, but I was, uh, you know, very grateful that that happened to me. And so, and, and being that my my uh, you know my instructor actually was you know my boss at the time, uh, I kind of looked up to him, and it, it made me kind of wonder, hey, you know, what can I do to give back to the community? And uh, and General Assembly actually kind of invited me back uh, once they've seen that uh, you know I've been in product management for about a year or so that I've been holding my own. They they tend to want it. Uh, you know, you use existing kind of alumni that have been successful to help teach. So, so I came back to it, um, to, to teaching and it was a bit nerve wracking at the beginning, to be honest, <laughs> you know, leading another <laughs> you know, 12 to 15 product managers. I was kind of like, what am I doing? I have no idea, <laughs> but that's, that's more of, you know, our own, like, uh, it's, it's, it's the, the, the nerves. Right. And so once you kind of get past that, uh, you really realize how fulfilling that is uh, to be able to to help uh, you know the others that have been in your position in the past. You know, when I get questions like, "How do I move into product management? I don't know anything about product. How do I do this?" Right? And uh, you know, there are several different ways to get into product management. Uh, you know, as the old saying goes, "Where there's a will, there's a way." Right? And um, and so it, it was really kind of uh, it was very fulfilling to to help others to to kind of break into um, the the kind of path that I've forged for myself. And what was really kind of interesting was a lot of them really had you know 
that the thought process around, okay, well, how do I get in? And, you know, I've kind of told them this is that if, you know, I've faced a lot of challenges myself over the past three or four years, if I can reduce that path for you, even by a half, that is success for me. And so that was really kind of, I think my uh, main motto when I kind of teach is, can I remove some of the things? Can I instill whatever I had learned? Can I pass on my scar tissue to you, really? Um, <laughs> and um, even though that sounds a bit strange. <laughs> yeah, yeah don't, 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 don't do that. But I know what you mean. Yes, yes. Uh, without getting too physical, let's, let's try saying <laughs> metaphysical. Uh, and so it kind of continued on with product school as well. Uh, with General Assembly, they stayed a bit general. And uh, when product school also reached out, uh, you know, I was like thrilled to, to kind of um, you know, continue down the path. And, uh, you know, it was, it was very interesting because a lot of the, the students that I had, uh, they had kind of, you know, actually, they're currently working in either Amazon, some of the bigger companies. And that is also extremely fulfilling when you find that uh, whatever knowledge you had passed had even made a small impact in how they, uh, you know, approached product management. And um, I, I think that's really it is the beauty of it is, is when we give back, what we have learned is really when the, what the most kind of amount of, you know, impact, at least personal impact, um, you know, for me, right, is uh, the amount of fulfillment that I get is is probably at at its peak. So I always, you know, give back. And that's why when I saw your podcast, I always, I thought that this could be an amazing opportunity to, again, give back, uh, you know, whatever it is that I can. Uh, And I also really appreciate kind of what you're doing here is, uh, though it may seem like a passion project, uh, I have a feeling that uh, it's going to impact you know, a lot of uh, people's lives. So, Well, let, let's hope so. I think, yeah, I mean, you're right. This is so far, at least um, as of the time of recording this, this is definitely something that's, uh, yeah, I don't need to become a podcast star. But one of the things that I was really curious about uh, was just seeing if I could do anything to help. I mean, for example, I, for from time to time, go on like the product school Slack channel just to you know, see what's going on. And, and as you say, there's so many people in there asking about like, how do I get into product? How do I get, how do I do this sort of thing? How do I answer this sort of question? Yeah, I've tried to do my best on there to like help with say looking at CVs and giving feedback or giving them some basic pointers and stuff like that. And I think that the point of doing something like this is to talk to obviously people like yourself and and all the other types of people that there are out there that have got all these different experiences and try and talk to them in a very sort of straightforward way. Talking to to all kind of different angles of, of the product journey for me feels like something that you can then use and give to other people to so that they can just understand the little bits and some I remember once I said to someone I'm I don't want to for example write medium articles because whilst I know a, uh, I know a bunch about product management of course that's that's the job that I do but at the same time so many other people just already write about stuff that I would probably write about things about like you know how to optimize teams how to how to prioritize stuff, how to how to build how to build cool things and how to work out what people want. These are all really important things, but everyone else is already writing about them. And and someone said to me, Well, look, it doesn't matter. Just sometimes it's just someone else saying it in a slightly different way that that helps. So I guess that's for me this the whole point of this podcast is obviously apart from talking to some some interesting people like yourself, also trying to help surface stories in a way that even if it's just 1% different to some other telling of it, that that can help someone get along. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned Medium, right? And that uh, I think we have different stances on it that totally makes sense in terms of contribution, but for, from what you said, 
But for me, I tend to write on Medium for my self clarity. <laughs> oh no, and that's what exactly that's exactly what I started to do as well. So I started I, in the end, I did start writing Medium articles, and in, in many ways, it was just like, well, that yeah, now I've got my thoughts in order, um, which which is which yeah, is good, exactly. but, but definitely, yeah, you need to get over the hump. I think for sure, yeah. So you're teaching people, I guess, relatively junior kind of novice product managers how to do product management i guess is is what you're saying you're 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 kind of trying to onboard the next generation would that be fair to say that would be fair to say at least from my past experiences that has been kind of the general audience sure and one thing that that i have noticed is obviously with people like product school and and other organizations is that there's there's kind of a, a big growth in this kind of, sort of product certification and as well alongside the kind of scrum certification and the uh, agile product owner certification all these different certifications you can get these days now personally i've come up through the school of hard knocks and that's you know, that's definitely the way that you 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 tend to hear of people coming into product management certainly of my era so yeah you know, they've probably started out as a developer or they started out as a qa person or they started out as a as a as a marketing person who wanted to get more into development and they, and they kind of they kind of work it out and they get there by i guess you know, making some mistakes and 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 making some good moves, and and eventually they they get to a position where they're quite good at this stuff. From your perspective, is it something that you feel is is easily trainable, like that that kind of life experience that that really contributes to the role, or or is that something that they're still going to need to do anyway? Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with you. As much as I respect education and what kind of an impact it has had on on my on my life, uh, I'm not saying don't uh, you know uh, go into to like a vocational kind of training about this. I think that is definitely helpful, but it, it's really important to realize that it is not a replacement for on the job, like kind of like school school of hard knocks that you were saying. It is not a replacement. If anything, the the way I like to look at them is that they're very good complements of each other, right? Is that, that, for example, now, you know, while I'm kind of working on these passion projects, uh, I've also kind of gone back to product school, uh, which I'm, I'm doing their kind of next level, uh, you know, certification. Because, um, you know, I've, I've actually been able to teach the, the first level, right? And, you know, what, what uh, they are also saying is that uh, you can learn a lot of kind of skills or you know, how, you know, I guess what you can say is, yeah, you can learn a lot of skills in the kind of, uh, in the, in these courses, right. Over the course of eight weeks, whatever it is, but in order for those skills to be realized, you have to use them and you have to utilize them, whether it's giving yourself, you know, certain tasks where you would like, they, they could emulate the, on the job training, right. That could still, you know, be a part of it, but ultimately you need to realize these skills in a, a real time environment. Right. Well, that's working on an actual product in a kind of real time scenario situation. I think that is when your whatever you've you've learned, you need to be able to apply to be actually able to say that, hey, you know, I fully understand this. Right. And so so the way I kind of look at it is that you can watch as many videos as you want about how to play the guitar or how to ride a bicycle. But just because you watch those videos doesn't necessarily mean that you can <laughs> jump on a bike or you know start kind of playing all of, you know the guitar like a uh, like slash right <laughs> um, it's it's more of the it's more of the there are some technical aspects that you're just going to have to learn kind of trial by fire right and uh, and so that's why I, I always see them as complements of each other uh, if anything the education could come a little bit 
you know, in the beginning, and then you can kind of go and exercise that, that muscle that you've kind of learned to, to exercise. Uh, or you could, you know, go into a role and then kind of come back and learn some of these skills, which at that point, you start to kind of, you know, plug in some of these things that you're learning to be able to say, hey, yeah, like this is what, what I was doing then. So regardless, learning has to happen and doing has to happen for you to become a, a product manager, I think. Yeah, I think from my perspective also, I mean, anyone that is sitting there thinking that, they're, that they've kind of made it, like no matter how much experience they've got or, or how senior they've got, I think that that's probably a fallacy. I think there's always a new angle, like we were talking about before. There's always a new angle or there's always a new thing you can learn or something else someone else did that, that you should probably be reading about. And yeah, it doesn't replace doing as you say but i think that there's this whole concept as which i'm sure you're aware of the kind of growth mindset and just trying to make sure that you're always learning something because i think that as soon as you stop then you really run the risk of going stale no it's fair i I would even i would even make it a little bit more morbid um you know for what my grandfather used to say is that the moment you stop learning is the moment you die yeah well (laughs) and and definitely yeah that, that, that is quite morbid, but at the same time, I think I get the sentiment. <laughs> but also on education, one thing yeah. I did notice on your um, on your LinkedIn profile as well was that you got a very, very high score in your executive MBA, which was, was fantastic. How, how was the MBA program for you? And has that helped you specifically with product management? Because you see a lot of job specs and stuff like that saying, yeah, we want a, a product manager or, or more senior than a product manager with, with like an MBA and this qualification and that qualification and 150 years experience in, in certain industries and, and whatever else. But do you feel that that MBA, which you seem to have done pretty well at, th- has that helped you? Or has that just been something on the side? So uh, a very, a very insightful. That was uh, really good. Um, it was a, an amazing program at the time. Um, you know, um, when I actually was getting into product management, just kind of going back to the original story is that I was considering doing an MBA back then, uh, but then realized that maybe this isn't the time because I wanted to learn something quickly, right? It's the instant gratification in me, which is ten- <laughs> it tends to be a bad habit, right? Um, and so when I went to product management, it actually really felt like an MBA 101, right? Uh, because you learn so much on all the different aspects. So you even go, in, go into aspects of unit economics and pricing strategy. So in a way, uh, it, an MBA, a product, product management, I would like to think is a distilled version of a, of a modern MBA. And so the kind of later on, the reason why I, I approached uh, the MBA just kind of about a year, a year and a half ago or so was that, uh, you know, the formal training in product management really helped me kind of break this barrier. Kind of formal training in kind of, uh, you know, that, that MBA aspect of things, could it, could it give me an edge? And that was really kind of a hypothesis, if you will. Um, and I'll, I'll be honest, what, what I have kind of gained from those there, there isn't anything really tangible. There's a lot of information that I've learned, but I think it's the intangibles that really matter. And, you know, in, in this day and age, when somebody has like 10 to 15 years of experience, uh, they don't really care too much about, I mean, I, I've not seen job postings that really kind of enforce an MBA. I almost see that, that roles uh, enforce an MBA uh, almost as a, as a replacement to, to, to experience in, in some cases. Even though that's a little bit of an older construct, I, I disagree in that uh, experience is, is still kind of, it trumps any education. But, uh, but really kind of the intangibles kind of coming back to that is really understanding the depth of how organizations work 
is something that I have gained and I'll walk away with in that, um, that executive MBA. And uh, just a little bit about Quantic, uh, which used to be known as Smartly when I started taking the course, is they make it very, very easy for you to kind of uh, study from anywhere, right? Whether it's your phone, any device, right? And that was the beauty of it that really kind of, uh, you know, got me really interested. I've always been in the cutting edge of education, like, for example, even in 2006, uh, when I did my master's at uh, bachelor's and master's at Newmont University, uh, at the time, uh, you'll probably surprised to know that I have not turned in a single piece of paper for both of those those uh, degrees. Not a single piece of paper. All online. Everything was online on an, on an LMS, a learning management system. And and that was 14 years ago, right? That was a long time ago where, where people were still kind of like, yeah, I might have a laptop at home type of thing. And so, you know, this was really, really exciting for me when I kind of walked through this uh, to be able to kind of study from anywhere, right? Just pull out your phone or your iPad or your laptop, whatever device, and uh, everything is synced. And that was kind of the beauty of it. And so I really think that this is the new age of education. And it'll be interesting to see kind of where we go from here, especially with the pandemic in in play. Yeah, so I've got friends who work for kind of uh, e-learning, online learning, uh, distance learning type places. And as far as I understand, they're all booming at the moment, or they certainly were back in, in March and, and April when all this stuff kicked off, because all of a sudden, people just couldn't go anywhere anymore. So I think uh, yeah, that that's kind of helped them. And I, and I guess the influx of users will probably help them to to make really smart decisions. Now, I know, for example, that I know probably 10 years ago now or something, I was doing uh, some distance learning myself uh, in the UK Open University, which kind of sounds sort of similar, everything being done remote, uh, doing a couple of years of Spanish, which was really exciting. But at the same time, I think you're doing well in 2006 to to have a good experience because in 2010, (laughs) I mean, it, it was still... It was kind of shaky. I, I I will say that this kind of remote learning at the time. So maybe they just had a different product manager or something looking after them. But it, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm assuming that it's got a lot better these days, and that's good because I think that anything that can democratize education has got to be a good thing, right? Yeah, I mean they had counterparts too, right? We were in a university, like physical space, but nothing I have you know turned in was a piece of paper. So back then, I think even distance education wasn't really kind of in play. Uh, so I just want to be, be clear is that I was at a university, you know, we did have classrooms, but I've never turned in a piece of paper. Oh, yeah, no, this was this was all completely remote, which is was slightly you had like one tutorial every every quarter or something like that. It was definitely an experience, especially when you're learning a language as well, because obviously when you're learning a language, a lot of it's about talking and interacting. And that's not necessarily something you get to do too much uh well, these days maybe because we're, we're, now nowadays we're all on Zoom, right? So we all, we we can all do it, but but back then we we weren't. So on Twitter, because I found you on Twitter as well, it wasn't hard, but I did, uh, you describe mm-hmm. yourself as a coffee shop philosopher. So I wondered if you <laughs> yes. have any um, particular nuggets of wisdom that you could share with, with the audience here. Nuggets of wisdom. Wow. If you put me on the spot there. Huh? <laughs> well, look, let's imagine we're drinking coffee. Yes. I've just said something stupid, which which is probably quite likely. How would you <laughs> how would you make yourself feel clever and, and what kind of motivational thing could you say? You know, honestly, one quote has been coming back and back to me as I've kind of been making some of these life changes around me is that life has a way to have you in the right place at the right time, right? Even though it doesn't mean 
like that is the right time for you at the moment. But when you always look back, like, hey, I was supposed to be there, right? There's always a reason why you are where you are. And so I think that has been very empowering for me when I look at it. Um, and, and, and when people, other people are struggling too, I, I share this with them because right now, whatever the struggle that you are, you're facing, it may be uh, you know, difficult for you, but know that, you know, have faith in, in some way that that is actually going to contribute to your future. And, and so, uh, I mean, I'm not sure if, how, if that much is, you know, philosophy, but <laughs> at the moment that has been kind of really, really strong, you know, in my mind. So, yeah, I don't think we'll fit that on a bumper sticker, but it's certainly, it's certainly a good, uh, it's a good position. Um, slightly to the side then is a, a kind of a, a typical question that I like to ask is what I kind of call a barbecue question. So you're at a barbecue, you're, um, you, you meet a, a new person, uh, haven't spoken to them before. They ask you what you do. How do you describe product management to that person? Oh, what a great question. Um, and Because this terrifies me, by the way. No, it, it terrifies me too. But, you know, I've had to do this before, right? Uh, and I've done it several times. And I've actually, strangely enough, like created elevator pitches around myself to test and see which ones work. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Now that as is product manager right? 101. That is, that is brilliant. That's, that's A-B <laughs> testing on, you know, gone on, on overdrive. On the field, exactly. right? So what, what, is, what is your best pitch? So my best pitch is that uh, it, it, it's it's very general, but it tends to resonate with people. Is that uh, you know I'll, I'll ask them kind of like what is their what is a the problem that you have, right? Uh, and they'll they and let's and then they're pretty generic. It'll be too general for them, and they'll say you know I, I find that uh, you know on my phone I can't do something specific. Well, you know uh, when you when you say that, right? Who do you think will solve the problem? Right. And so the answer they'll tend to be like, I guess the company will solve it. So that's when I kind of interject myself and I say, well, you know, typically that company has a product manager and the product manager will be the person that will lead the initiative to solve that problem. So that that would be kind of a way to I mean, it's, it's a little bit salesy. Uh, because, you know, you're relating to kind of what their problem is, right? In the past, I've kind of also described myself as I like to solve, you know, uh, complex problems using technology, right? And what I do is I talk to engineers, I talk to designers. And this, this of course, only works when people understand the, the technology space a little bit, right? When it's somebody that's like a five-year-old um, that has that, that tends to have that the, the first, uh, you know, option that I was that I was sharing is the one that tends to be uh, more uh, resonant uh, to them is that what problem do you have? You know, who, who actually solves that problem? Right. It's the question that uh, that tends to, uh, you know, explain it a lot better than um, the technical aspect. <laughs> now, I've tried explaining it to my five year old and it's not gone well. And he, he just looked at me funny. So um, I think maybe I might need to <laughs> exchange some notes afterwards. But. Yeah, it's it's definitely a terrifying question, and uh, the sort of thing where you almost want want to just like jump, you know, jump into a bush or something as soon as they say it. <laughs> final, final one for you then. I know how keen you are to kind of inspire and and bring on people into into the wonderful world of, of product management. What would be your first piece of key advice that you would give to an aspiring product manager today? You know, honestly. The one thing that really kind of comes to mind when, when, when uh, you know, speaking to new product people or uh, people in a respective industry that want to break in to a specific role in product is unlearn everything, 
right? Unlearn everything. Unlearn everything that you 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 feel like you know about product or you know about project management because you know people tend to have kind of interesting kind of uh, you know thought thoughts there. Unlearn and kind of clear your mind. And when you come into product, uh, start fresh. Even now, when I'm taking the the, the product uh, leadership course at product school. I've basically unlearned everything. I know what a business model canvas is, but I'm like, I'm, I pretend like I don't know anything because that is the only way you can truly accept whatever knowledge that is being imparted on you. And so at, at its very core, that is kind of what I always focus on when I'm taking any courses, even if it's like, hey, let's go back and learn SQL 101. Unlearn everything or else it will be completely useless to you if you come in with certain, um, you know, pre- you know, predeterminations about how it's going to be, or I know this stuff, then why bother doing it, right? Absolutely. I guess also it kind of touches on that whole thing that we were talking about earlier with regards to kind of the sand and the filling in the gaps. Like, it's easy to sit there and think that you know something, but there's always that one little bit that you missed. So if you're going to learn it again, let's, you know, let's learn it properly, I guess would be the, the point there. So don't don't just think that you know everything. And actually, that's great advice for any product person, right? Because any product person should never be the person that knows everything. So they're supposed to ask good questions. They're not supposed to just assume and know. Although, yeah, they they, they can know some things, but, you know, they're not supposed to. It's not supposed to be just them. (laughs) No, of course not. So where can people find you if they're looking to continue the conversation or be inspired by some of your um, educational efforts? Sure. So... LinkedIn would be great. Uh, I'm also kind of restarting my medium. Uh, I've been inspired to write more. Uh, so I think it'll be more for my own kind of personal thoughts, but that tends to, uh, you know, I've had feedback that that tends to help people. So um, it's just for both uh, LinkedIn and my uh, medium, you can find me at, uh, you know, at MS Bukhari. Uh, that's basically my tagline. Uh, and, uh, and really, you know, I'm still kind of thinking about maybe walking towards YouTube, but that's a little bit ways um, to, to see uh, what, what I want to do. But first, I want to kind of uh, write, write more. That's been my goal uh, for, for this year is to write more, uh, to get clear on, uh, on my mission and vision. And uh, so, yeah, uh, if anything, I'll invite these guys, whoever it is, uh, to come join me, you know, and, and tell me about the things that you guys uh, have been facing on product and maybe we can have a nice conversation on either on medium uh, or on twitter or on linkedin sounds like a fair offer and certainly uh certainly one that i advise people to to take up from my perspective i'm definitely not going on youtube because my face is definitely not made for it (laughs) 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 so thanks very much for your time and um let's keep in touch yeah, sounds good. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. And uh, I really wish your podcast uh, the best of luck. And uh, yeah, I know it's going to help a lot of people. Thank you very much. And I'm sure you will too. Cheers. As ever, thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed the show today, I'd love it if you left a review, shared it with your friends, subscribed or followed the show on Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn. I've also got a mailing list which will send exactly one message a week with a summary of the latest show and any other quality product content that's piqued my attention over the last week. If that sounds good, sign up at onenightinproduct.com and that's night with a K. Thank you very much.